0: It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory.
1: Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michigan's news channel, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. I'm your host and one of the financial advisors on the show. My name's Mike Bernard, along with my fellow financial advisors and friends, even friends in 2017. Gosh, All we right, made it.
2: Starting the year off right. That's Josh Gregory and Kevin Corhorn. Another year of friendship, Mike. All right. (laughs) 2016 is officially behind us, and it was a fascinating mixture of politics and economics impacting your investments. And surprises. Absolutely. So today we're going to review how the various investment markets performed last year and what your wise investment decisions may be in 2017. So we don't talk about investments all the time
1: on the show. This, This show is about financial planning, not just investments. And... Uh, you know, your financial life and financial planning is much bigger than investments. So uh, anyway, we're talking about investments today. If any of that stirs you up or you have questions about your situation or something else that's got you irked financially, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. Uh, Go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call 574-222-2000. And lastly, check us out on Facebook at Wise Money Radio, uh, Facebook and Twitter to join the conversation. We've got question of the week, we've got quote of the week, which actually gets a lot of traction and blog posts about various things. And we've got some coming up um, here that uh, might interest you. So, all right. So today's show is all about what the stock market did in 2016, why it did that, what your expectations should be, and then what you should be doing as we look at 2017. So let's start with a breakdown of how the market actually performed in 2016
3: okay so let's talk about some large u.s. stocks and a lot of times if you listen to the radio they say well the dow is up today or the dow is down what in, what in the world's a dow so the dow <laughs> is the dow jones industrial average and it's just 30 of the largest companies industrial companies in the united states and also there's the P 500 which is 500 of the largest companies in the u.s so the dow finished up 16 percent. oh my goodness yeah no one expected that. For 2016, no, especially when you look at the first month and a mm-hmm. half of the year. And the S&P 500 finished the year up 12%. So it was a bumpy ride, and so let's talk about that ride in just a bit. <clears throat> but that was the performance of those indices. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and as good as that was, you had smaller size companies here in the U.S., which we measure by uh, the Russell 2000 Index. And um, it, it actually had the best year when you look at all the various types of investments out there. Small cap stocks or small company stocks, as we would refer to them, uh, had some pretty surprising performance. The index was up 21% for the year. That's incredible. It, it really is. And a lot of that growth, regardless of which stock market uh, index you're looking at, a lot of it came after the election. Yeah, I mean, small caps,
1: I think were up close to 17% from the election to the end of the year. Seventeen That's, of that twenty-one percent was made in the final what six weeks of the year.
2: Yeah, that'd be a pretty solid uh, two years in a row. Right. Uh, so. Right. Uh, and then it, you can also look at international stocks, and um, you know, if you look at broad international stocks, looking at uh, countries that are well developed, um, similar to the U.S., that just barely turned positive right at the end of the year, it was up Mm 1.5%. So quite a difference between international (laughs) investments versus those small size companies here in the U.S. that we're talking about. You also have, uh, outside the U.S., some more developing markets or developing countries. These would be the Chinas, India, Brazil, more of the up-and-coming economies, that sort of thing. Um, Emerging markets were up 11.6%, so still into double-digit territory. A lot right. of investments did well if you're tied to the stock market.
1: Finally, for those of you kind of looking for a broad review of how markets performed, bond investments uh, didn't have the awful year that everyone was expecting. We'll get into that in just a minute, what those expectations were. Uh, the broad bond index was up about 2.6%. And then finally, uh, real estate was up 86 And commodities rebounded after having two dismal years. They were up 11.8%. So okay, I know not everyone listening. In fact, most of you are not numbers fanatics like we are. So you might have gotten lost in some of those percentages. But ultimately, the takeaway is, in large, the stock market had a pretty good year, especially U.S. stocks, large and small. International struggled, and other diversifiers didn't really pad much to your return. So, so I want before we break down why why that happened, I, I feel like we need to take an off ramp onto expectations. Because as we were just kind of laying that out there for you, we were saying, well, that was a surprise. No one expected that and so on. So what should your expectations have been as, as an investor? And as you're looking at your statements as they come in over the next few days back at last year, especially the fourth quarter, what should your expectations be? Those expectations really drive a lot of your emotions, which then drive your decisions. So let's, let's talk about those expectations for a bit.
2: Well, I'm glad you mentioned emotions, though, because, uh, you know, if you went through the year expecting, for example, that the stock market was going to tank if Donald Trump was elected, and that was, you know, a big part of the narrative that was being pushed out there uh, leading up to the election— then you know you may have uh, been led to go dump a bunch of money into gold and avoid stocks. I I know of some people that were really fighting the temptation to just completely get out of the stock market leading up to the the election. I, I yeah I had people that didn't fight that temptation that gave
1: in to really? that temptation. Yeah yeah because we started the year with the expectation when I was doing some of the show prep, folks. I just wanted to see some of the headlines to start the year. And it was, it was 12 months ago now, so you're, you m- might have selective memory, you might not realize it. But there were huge recession calls oh, yeah, at the beginning yeah. of this year. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to call the author out, but the first article I saw, the headline was, Stock Market Crash of 2016, The Countdown Begins. This author was predicting a crash in the stock market in 2016, of over 50%. Wow, and this was in this was in Market Watch, which is a huge. Um, if you're if you follow financial markets, you're familiar with the Market Watch website and really long, very articulate article about how the crash is already here and we don't even know it, and yet the Dow was up 16% this year.
3: Yeah, and that that was a question. I mean, the, the, one of the second hardest decisions that people seem to wrestle with is whether or not I should take all my money and move it to the sidelines because there's something happening. I can just feel it, whether it's um, an event that's happening or maybe I just, you know, went to Taco Bell last night, but there's something I'm <laughs> feeling and I know that I probably should just move my money to the sidelines. That's a, again, that's the second hardest decision. The first hardest decision is when do you get back in? Yeah. Right. So if you, if you decided in, in, Early November, which you could have done, you could have watched uh, any of the morning shows, the morning news shows, and saw that um, uh, the election was going to cause turmoil. And you say, hey, I want to avoid uh, the stock market doesn't like uncertainty. I don't either. I'm going to move everything to cash. You would not have known when to get back in. Right. Because election night, the futures were down eight or 900 points on the Dow. And then following day, the Dow was actually up 75 points from where it closed the day before.
1: Yep. And the point is folks, no one knows, no one knows, but if you hadn't made a decision to get more conservative during the year, because one, you thought there was going to be a recession or two, you thought there was going to be a global economic meltdown because Great Britain got out of the union or was I one, two, or maybe, uh, so three or C uh, y- you thought Trump was going to crash the, the market. If you got out or got conservative then, and now you're 10% behind the curve, what are you going to do now?
2: That's right. Well, and not only do you not know what's going to come, but there, there's a major risk in watching too closely just one segment of the investment world. Yeah. You know, we always refer to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. I, I say we, I really mean the the media. Every night it's on the the evening news. What did the Dow do today? And it really is not relevant because if you're investing properly, you should be in a much more diversified mix than just those 30 stocks. Right. And you should have some bond exposure, some real estate, some international. So, yes, there should have been last year some areas of your investments that were up significantly, but you may have some others in the portfolio that were kind of dragging on the performance. And that's okay. That is the point about being diversified. You're going to have some winners and some losers. And it's not about what did your investments just do yesterday or, or in in this current investment period. It's more about uh, how long will you let your investments do their thing. If you are in a diversified mix of investments over the long haul, you should be okay. That's right. And your diversified portfolio didn't post the
1: returns that we stated at the beginning of the show. They posted some average, some mix of those. So. We've, we, we're going to dive into why, some of the why uh, that drove those those stock market returns, as well as what to expect and what you should do for 2017. That and more here on Wise Money with and Financial Group, 95.3 MNC.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Good morning, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. My name is Mike Bernard. I've got Kevin Corhorn and Joshua Gregory with me in the studio. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. Uh, Today, we're talking about what the market did, what the stock market did last year, and now we're going to turn to why, and then we're going to talk about what to expect for 2017 for the year ahead, and what you should be doing about it. If you have a question or a comment or anything like that, reach out to us, 574-222-2000, or go to wisemoneyradio.com to submit a question, comment, or anything else. All right, so we kicked off the show talking about what did the market actually do last year. Dow was up 16 uh, that's total return, S&P was up 12, but really those are just large capital stocks. A diversified portfolio has more than just large U.S. stocks. It's got international, which was only up 1.5, has bonds, which was up about 2%. So really a diversified investor shouldn't have their expectations that, well, I should have done 12% last year. No, most likely you did something somewhere in between, 6 7%, maybe 5%, depending on how much risk you're taking, and you really shouldn't be dissatisfied with that were, well, I should have, I, sh- I should have invested and received the Dow performance. If you're not invested just in the Dow, you wouldn't have received that performance. So anyway, but let's talk about why those, uh, those, the stock market and those different areas performed the way that they did in 2016. What were the big drivers, the big themes from last year that drove the market returns that way?
3: Well, I think there were a number of drive, uh, surprises yeah and drivers in the market um the the obvious one that i'm I'm sure most people would think of is they were surprised that uh, Donald Trump won the election and so as we're as we're dealing with this, there's all kinds of news swirling around that with fake news and tampering in the elections and the the neat thing about what happened this year was this is the year that the elections came to town so Back in the primary for Indiana, Donald Trump came to town, Ted Cruz came to town, Bernie Sanders did, uh, and they all held public gatherings at the Century Center, so it was really neat if you're part of this community to be able to participate in that, and I was able to take my kids to all three of those. Hillary Clinton did something at AM General, but didn't um, kind of uh, connect with the unwashed masses here, so... (laughs) <laughs> um, we we didn't we weren't able to uh, connect with her, um, but it seems like a, a good chunk of the country wasn't able to, do. and so the, it's, despite
1: well, that though it was a big surprise the way the election surprise. went and it was an even bigger surprise how the markets
3: responded. Well, it may be not bigger surprise, but. Equally a surprise. Well, it is a surprise because, you know, it's interesting as I was listening to you talk earlier about w- what the market did this year. Mm-hmm. And so the Dow Jones did 16%. So if I was just listening and I didn't know how things worked, I'd think, well, if the Dow did 16%, there's four quarters in the year. So it must have done 4% per quarter. And it's just four, 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 and at the end of the year. I collected four quarters at 4%. The, the market didn't do anything like that. It was, it was a very volatile year. And really, a lot of the, the oomph that happened with the stock market did happen from November 8th on. Even
1: though everyone was preparing for, hey, if Trump wins, mm-hmm. things are going to crash. I was telling folks, I actually said it on the show, if Trump wins, I'd expect volatility because sure. the markets really won't know exactly what he's going to bring to the office and what he's going to bring to the economy and so on, and markets really don't like uncertainty, so there's likely
2: volatility. Ahead. we got huge volatility, though. Huge. Right? Just yeah. in the right direction, uh, thankfully. Yeah,
1: on, on the upside.
2: You know, it, we could have said the same thing if Hillary had been elected as well. There still could have been volatility. Uh, personally, I think the markets probably would have just muddled along because she was perceived to be just an extension of the Obama years, just more of the same in a way, but you know, Trump got his big name and, and made the big splash by being the candidate who, you know, was saying some big, bold things that people hadn't heard in a long, long time. And he's made some big claims. And, uh, you know, now we're going to be watching to see how much of it is he able to actually get pushed through, how much will Congress cooperate with, that kind of thing. But there's there's a sentiment, there's, there's an optimism right now going on in, in the stock market, at least, that maybe some of these big shakeups that he's been promising could actually spark uh, you know another round of growth and all of that will play out in in the stock market. Yeah, I think
3: one of the things that we really discovered as well is that, or, or were reminded of is that the the markets are not are, are somewhat connected to what happens politically, but in certain ways the markets don't care. Um and so in the short term uh, this this event happened and Trump is seen as a pro-business candidate, so people want to connect the you know the rally at the end of the year to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And I would say that rally could have happened whether it was Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders or really anyone who had been elected. That rally could have happened in spite of and the and the folks that were talking to me, the clients that were saying, "Hey, what if what if the if uh, you know Donald Trump is elected and the market goes down like crazy?" for the folks that are still in the accumulation phase I said hey that's great yeah that that's really what you want and so I talked I just last week I was talking with some folks and they said hey you know we're still investing and the market went up so so we're kind of disappointed and I said yeah it's not for you it's not the Trump rally it's the it's the Trump slump because <laughs> you, you you are investing and you're you're paying more for the exact same stuff than you would have been paying 2 months ago yeah
1: I, I, so I think Obviously, the election had a huge role in what the stock market did. It actually had the worst start to the year ever, ever in history, and then it had pretty um, pretty much a mild year until the election came back. But one of the things that was kind of a looming dark cloud over the markets for the first 11 months was really something that's been a
2: cloud over the market for the past three years as well. That's right. I, I think you're referring to interest rate changes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're, we're often watching the Fed and what are they going to do next and Coming out of 2015, uh, you know, just over a year ago, they had raised interest rates for the first time in, what, eight years, I think it was. And a lot of people were starting to second guess whether or not that was a good decision because then all the economic data was starting to say, hey, we we might be on a little bit more shaky ground than what anybody realized. You had China bringing in some, some real risks there. And the threat that the Fed was going to raise interest rate. All of this was kind of converging at the beginning of 2016. And it did. It it pushed us into the fastest decline at the start of a calendar year that we've ever seen. And then followed by a lot
1: of recessionary calls, a lot of people saying the stock market's gonna crash in 2016, all you know, partly connected to that interest rate deal um, because the government raised interest rates at the end of 2015 and the expectation was they're just going to raise them four times.
2: Right. And if Cons- they had that, that may have been a self-fulfilling prophecy that sent us into a recession. Yeah. And so you know every time uh, it was one of their big meetings and, and the markets were trying to gauge whether or not they really were serious about raising rates, it would spook the markets and we'd see some some added volatility throughout the year. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's been interesting to look at the the impact that the the rates being raised has had. Because um, as I was talking with Casey, I said, "Hey, look, this is going to filter through on the lending side uh, very quickly." But as far as if you've got a CD, so if you have a CD at the bank, you, you it probably didn't go up twenty-five basis points, and and you're not getting a re- renewal notice that interest rates are going up. If you have a line of credit at the bank, I got you, that notice. You got that notice. It went from four percent to four and a quarter. Mine was
1: three point seven five to four and a quarter percent. Thank you very little.
3: So, (laughs) so, so fifty basis points. So, um, yeah. So, as far as what I'm paying to borrow money, that that cost has gone up. That trickles through. That's not a trickle. That's a yeah. That's a torrent. Right. A a, a flood.
1: But
2: straight to the bottom line of those banks.
1: Which is why bank stocks have really rallied. Which a lot of those are large cap. uh so anyway that but plays we, together
3: but yeah. we're we're hoping though that the fed and again when we talk about the fed raising interest rates it's, it's it's the what banks are allowed to charge each other for short-term overnight lending from one bank to the next so it's not like uh, you know that when the fed raises interest rates it, that doesn't mean the fed just raised mortgage rates and exactly. auto loan rates and everything else it all trickles down and the other thing it's hard to it's hard to play
1: what the Fed's going to do and then how the market's going to respond. Because we've seen times where the Fed says, "Nope, we're everyone thought they were going to raise rates, they didn't, and the market crashed because they said, "Oh, the market or the economy must be weaker than what we think." And then the opposite happens too, where, "Oh, they're not going to raise rates, they do, and the market goes goes up." So, it's really really hard to play this. So, we'll see exactly how 2017 pans out. I think the government or the Fed is a little more muted on what their guidance is. But we're going to we're going to break down a little bit more about what to expect in 2017 as well, the all important question, what should you do about it, folks? Well, that's coming up here on Wise Money with Coral and Financial Group 953 MNC.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Good morning, folks. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. My name's Mike. I've got Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory with me in the studio. Sometimes I call him Joshua. He really doesn't matter. It doesn't, doesn't really matter to you, right? It doesn't. Okay, good. I'll answer to anything that starts with a J. Thanks, Joshy. Uh, thanks to Bethel College <laughs> Adult Step and that. Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett and the team of Inspired Realtors at Remax 100 for partnering with us on the Wise Money Show. Today, if you've been listening, we're talking about the 2016 stock market and all of your investments and what, the, what drove those performances for 2016. We're going to turn the tables now and start talking about 2017 and what it looks like to start this year, what you should be doing about it. If you have any questions, don't agree with us, or have any other comments, reach out to us, Y20Radio.com or 574-222-2000. All right, so we've talked about what the market did in 2016, why it did that in 2016. Let's turn the tables to start talking about 2017.
3: So, Mike, before we completely turn the tables, I've been thinking about this and we talked about what the market has done and when you talk about it you say yeah the Dow was up 16% and the S&P 500 was up 12% and of course it was yeah that's that's what we expected right that's what is that what you expected and people kind of look and say well yeah I mean that's what the stock market goes up right that's what and so it's very interesting because there was there was a lot of turmoil and tumult and excess stomach acid and people very worried and concerned about how things were going to end up. And at the end of the year, you look and you say, all that worry was for naught. Your investments performed historically better than we would have expected. So we're delighted with what happened in 2016. So the problem becomes, people say, well, if that happened in 2016, I would expect that or better. Yeah. So if the S&P did 12 let's if we're 2017 let's see 12 or better. Right. And this is where it, in the temptation is to say well wait a minute if international stocks didn't perform very well and large US stocks performed really well what I need to, what the smart people are doing right now is getting rid of their international stocks and buying <laughs> the uh, the large US stocks. And I try, I try to point people back to a time uh, I think of March 9th of 2009 when the S&P 500 was worth what it was back in 1997 so if you had walked in uh, to Corhorn Financial Group in 1997 and said here will you take hundred thousand dollars and invest it for me I'm gonna be gone for 12 years but when I come back I, w- I want my my uh, money back what should I expect and we, you could point to the, tr- the chart on the wall and say, well, look, the market's going to do 10%. So hopefully at least your money would at least double. And in, in reality, from 1997 to March 9th of 2009, it didn't move.
1: If you were just in the Dow. It, no, s and and p
3: thank it, you, thank you. No, but you could go either one.
1: But if you were diversified, that certainly wasn't the case. It Ex- doesn't doesn't mean you were happy with your investments all the time, but that
3: wasn't the case. Not even close to the case if you were diversified. Right. But the year, every year when people look and they say, oh, this is what happened last year, um, get me out of the thing that didn't do well and put me into the thing that did really well, when actually what you should be thinking is the reverse of that. So I,
1: I have a, a name for that that way of investing is called following the crowd. And I think it's probably the most dangerous way to invest or the most dangerous way to approach your finances that I can think of.
2: Well, especially when research, you know, study after study continues to show that the crowd is often wrong. Yeah, We emotionally get pulled into traps where we're jumping out of the market at the time that we should be jumping in. And uh, most investors, if, if they allow emotion to drive their, their financial decisions, they're going to do the exact wrong thing at the wrong time. All right.
1: So let's talk about what the themes are for 2017. I'm just going to piggyback on the one that we talked about last time. I think a lot of Trump policy is likely going to be a theme as we look at what, what to expect in the markets in 2017. So basically at the end of 2016, no one thought he was going to win. Trump won. Now what will his promises, what he campaigned on, what will that mean for the economy and the stock market? And there's a lot of euphoria. Okay. Well, now it's, well, is any of that actually getting done? And I think that what Congress actually does, what the administration puts through as far as policy is going to drive a lot. And, and what he communicates on Twitter is going to drive a lot of how the stock market's going to move in the short term in 2017. I think that's a big theme to follow the administration. And, and, and I'm, I'm not kidding. What what Donald Trump tweets about? He tweeted yeah. about something with Boeing, and Boeing stock dropped dramatically the, the day that he did.
3: So, yeah. well, yeah. he tweeted about something yesterday, and the Republicans come, turned around and undid what they were going to do yeah. with the ethics right uh,
1: situation yeah, there. Make, you're right. You're right. So, so I think Trump policy is going to be. A big theme in the markets for 2017,
2: and that's not just the U.S. markets either. I think the rest of the world is watching very closely because, uh, you know, one of the the themes during the campaign was um, reevaluating, maybe renegotiating a lot of the trade agreements that have been in place for for a while, and that has uh, implications not just in this country but around the world as well. Other countries are doing the same thing. You know, one of the themes in 2016 that was kind of a shocker in the summer months was Brexit right when Great Britain decided to leave the European Union. Well, that still hasn't completely played out yet. A lot of those trade agreements have to be redone, and the landscape that everyone has just known and accepted for so long in the investment world is going to change. Yep. And, and that's what policy changes, that's what it does. It, it makes new winners and new losers at times. One of the, the other specific industries in this country that I think people are going to be watchful for is healthcare. Yeah, You know, mm-hmm. will there be some major overhauls to the health care laws in this country? If so, uh, there may be some new winners that come out of that as well.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you were asking what are our expectations and what, what's going to be coming out of Trump policy, I expect there's going to be a lot of noise mm-hmm. in the same way that it happened with Brexit. When Brexit was announced, I think it was on a Thursday, people came out and said, hey, listen, there's going to be a recession and a negative economic effect here, like we've never seen, and there were lots of people, and those people are the ones that that catch the microphones. Uh, those are those are the interesting people to <laughs> yeah. listen to. So um, whether they've ever been right even once in their lifetime, they get uh, a microphone if they if they can talk and say hey, really negative stuff. Well, if so, let's rem, let's remind ourselves: the market did drop and then bounce right back up because of the Brexit event and so there will likely be a number of those things happening and this is where you kind of want to put the blinders on and you want to go back to your investment policy and your your diversification yep. and your and your mix and say hey look this is if if i've got the right policy and the right process working for me now i'm not going to change it because of something that Donald T- Trump tweets at 1:30 in the morning yeah So I want to get get back to that. But but over all of
1: them, the theme that's going to drive, in my opinion, is going to be GDP and corporate profits. Folks, it all comes down to that. All the spin on what's what's the administration going to do, what are interest rates going to do, it all is, well, how do we think that's going to impact corporate profits? And that's ultimately what's going to drive the market next year and every year.
2: Yeah, that's so. exactly right. That's what's supposed to drive the stock market. It's if uh, the markets believe that the economy is growing and that, that additional corporate or, or business activity is going to yield better results um, on corporate uh, profit and loss statements, if they're, if they're more profitable in the future, then the stock price can afford to go up justifiably.
1: Okay, for Josh, sure. I'm going to put you on the spot. So what's the one big action item, the one big takeaway? What What does someone need to do with this information now with their investments for 2017?
2: Uh, to me, um, it, I'll go back to something that Kevin was kind of alluding to a moment ago, and that is uh, rebalancing your portfolio. Mm. Uh, because we had all these different areas of your financial or, or your investment portfolio, rather, that had varying levels of performance. Some were up huge, others were down a little bit, others up just modestly. You have um, some investments that have really grown to be a larger portion of your portfolio just naturally, and it may be time to kind of prune that back a little bit. Rebalancing is when you kind of snap everything back to the original mix that your recipe called for when you were building that portfolio to begin with. The hard thing though, is that you're naturally selling off some of the winners and buying some of the losers, which is exactly the opposite of what most people's emotions would drive them to do. But it is completely um, obeying one of the most important adages of investing, and that is to buy low and sell high. You want to sell the stuff that's run up and buy into the things that are down in in modest proportions there. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. And I, I would echo the same thing. Hard to do,
1: but be disciplined about it. And, uh, and go ahead and rebalance your portfolio. Uh, coming up next in just a moment, Sarah and her husband are hoping to retire in 2017. Maybe you are too. She's asking, what should we do in this last year? That and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corco and Financial Group. Newstalk 95.3 Michigan's News Channel.
0: This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on news Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station.
1: Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies program. Good morning, folks. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Kevin Corhorn, alongside Josh Gregory in the MNC studios. Thanks for joining us this morning. If you missed anything, check out wisemoneyradio.com or even the podcast on iTunes. You can listen to previous episodes right there uh, on the website, but you can also subscribe on iTunes as well. If you have a question, go to wisemoneyradio.com or give us a call 574 222 2000. Lastly, check out the Facebook page for blog posts, article links. Quotes, questions, all that sort of stuff at Wise Money Radio. All right, so this whole show so far has all been about uh, really investing, which we don't spend a ton of time talking about. But to end the year 2016, start the year 2017, we focus today on, well, what did the market do last year and why? What to expect for 2017 and why? And we're just about to turn it to to Sarah and a question that she had about retirement. But Kevin, how would you recap... If someone's just tuning in right now, what, how would you recap the market discussion, or really the takeaway, what they should do?
3: Yeah, a quick recap is that things were generally positive. Certainly, if you look at uh, large U.S. stocks last year, it, things uh, did well. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was up 16 percent, S and P up 12, and that's higher than what we would expect when you think about expectations. What's the what's the takeaway? What's the item that we should be doing? We should be rebalancing right now. You should be looking at your portfolio. And this is where I would encourage people, call your financial advisor, schedule an appointment with your financial advisor, meet with your certified financial planner to make sure that you are on track to have your uh, investment structured the way that they're supposed to be. It's because these dollars are your dollars that that you've invested, you are emotional about them. And when people make emotional decisions about their investments, almost always they're bad decisions. So this is is where we encourage people to work with a certified financial planner who can evaluate the risk that people should be taking and structure a portfolio. But there's ongoing maintenance. It's kind of like the dentist. You don't go to the dentist once and say, okay, good, I've got my teeth fixed and I'll never have to see the dentist again. No, you need to go see that guy or gal every six months and make sure everything is working correctly. Yeah. So and.
1: my kids went to the dentist this week. My son Kuiper is four. He wants a gold tooth so bad. He was <laughs> so disappointed that they didn't find anything. He wants a gold tooth. But you're right. I mean, he's he's gotta go back in six months. It's an ongoing thing and Same way with your investments, folks, and rebalancing. And I'm going to use that as a segue into Sarah's question. She's a fan of the show. She's asking about retirement, but really, uh, most people, I know I am, investing for a reason. So even though I want my investments to perform at their optimal level every single year, no, really? I mean, emotionally, I'd say that, but actually, I just want my investments to perform to help me reach that goal of being able to retire. And I would reset your focus. I think, Kevin, that's exactly what you're saying. So, all right. So here's Sarah's question. She's from South Bend. She's 64. Here's what she said. My husband and I are hoping to retire at the end of 2017 and are trying to get all of our ducks in a row. Is there any general advice
2: that you would recommend people do in their finances before they actually retire? It's a great question. I, I don't know if this falls under the heading of advice, but maybe at least a warning or, or a reminder that um, one of the most important things that you need to recognize when you're getting ready for retirement is that there are trade-offs with this goal. And as soon as you start rigidly setting certain parts of your retirement game plan, you have to get more flexible or maybe more sacrificial in other areas. So, uh, you know, Sarah, I think you've kind of defined that the end of 2017 is the date that you're going to retire. Um, and I'm I'm reading that literally, maybe you've even uh, started making the announcement. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But as soon as you set the date, now all of a sudden... Um, you have to make sure that uh, you have the right resources to make that uh, a reality. And if not, then you might find yourself having to watch your spending a lot closer in retirement than you otherwise would have. Maybe you have to budget to spend a lot less than you've been you know, enjoying during your working career. You might have to stick with investments that are more growth oriented than you might naturally want to be just because you need them to perform better. Well, 64
1: is still young. I mean, uh, ideally that money, her her resources, her and her husband still needs to last
2: another 25, 30 years. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, sometimes even just being a little flexible on when you retire, retiring one year later allows you to save one more year, allows you to let those investments grow for another year and so on. So, um, before you, or as you're you're getting all these ducks in a row, as, as she said, um, I, I think it's important that you maybe hold the goal with a loose hand right now and let it kind of evolve and, and uh, massage it into its final uh, shape as you are able to check these items off the list that we'll kind of talk through with you here.
3: Yeah, it is interesting to think about, um, and we don't know a lot of details uh, from Sarah, But, Sarah, it sounds like you're setting the date, so that's one approach. I set the date, and then I determine between now and when I retire exactly what I can do to help my cause. And then at the end of the year, I retire, and I'm going to have to make it work with whatever I've done in this last year. There is a different approach that you might want to consider, and that is, look, analyze the necessary work that needs to be done before you retire and let that analysis set the date for you. Give an example. What do you mean by that? I'm saying if you sat down with a certified financial planner, and you you looked at everything that you that you've done up to this point to prepare yourself for retirement, what if that financial planner said, "Sarah, you and your husband are ready to retire. Mm-hmm. Go do it. You're, you, what your financial goals are and what you're trying to accomplish, you've already done it. You're 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 past the point. You can uh, retire today." and achieve all your financial goals, and they have plenty of money left over. Well, I'd want to know that. Yeah. Because maybe I don't want to work another year of my life. Maybe I don't want to work another two years of my life. Mm-hmm. And so and it's it's been interesting because I, I've seen it over the last 23 years, all different ways. Some people come in and say, hey, listen, I am retiring at the end of this year. And you say, hey, if you, do you know that if you worked a year or two more this this would be possible and you could put the whole thing on ice and I yeah. say I don't care I'm done working the work is too much I can't take it anymore my health etc cetera, etc cetera. so boom I'm done so that's one way of doing it another way of doing it is saying hey I want to retire as soon as possible look at everything that I've done and help me figure out how to get there yeah and so and one of the things that, that jumps off the page to me Sarah you're 64 if you want to retire at the end of the year you'll be 65 what what have you assembled financially that might allow you to put off the decision on social security till you're 66 or all the way till 70? Again, social security planning has gotten a lot simpler since Congress has changed some things. but it's still that's one of the bigger financial decisions that you'll make in your lifetime.
2: Yeah. Well, it's also one of the ducks that she needs to get in a row, right? Uh, An income plan or or some sort of an assessment of what your sources of income will be, not just the first year of retirement, but what will it be 10 years out? And you have to make some assumptions about will these sources of income be growing to keep up with your (laughs) rising costs of of life in general. So calculating the income that you need. And then also, I, I would encourage you, before you retire get this duck in a row, and that is budgeting. Mm-hmm. You need to know not just what are your sources of income, but have a rough idea of what you're going to be spending in a typical year uh, during retirement, because it may be very different than what you've been living off of up to this point. And most people will recognize that there's some sort of a gap there, and uh, you know your, your income level might not fully cover all of the spending that you want, and that's where you have to do a, a very careful assessment of whether you've got additional resources, investments, retirement accounts, that sort of thing, to help supplement. Yeah. So to to recap
1: here, it sounds like first one is get a plan. Make sure you've sat down with a certified financial planner, so you have clarity or confidence that being done in one year is right, or being done now could work, or whether it should be two years puts it on ice, as Kevin said. I like that. I like that idea. So first, get a get a plan. Second is figure out your income plan how are you going to draw social security and should you you know does it does it benefit you to wait a couple of years something like that and then lastly and this is the one that i was most focused on get a budget and and i would actually tell you if, if this is your last year working practice that retirement lifestyle right now yeah test driving e- even go on a big vacation if that's if that's one of your dreams get start that right now start if you think you're only going to live on 4 grand a month start living on 4 grand a month right now Good stuff. Thanks for listening, Sarah. Thanks for the question. Hopefully that was helpful, folks. Okay, folks. uh, If you have any questions, go to wisebunnyradio.com. You can also check out previous episodes as well if you missed anything today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, and myself and everyone at Corhorn Financial Group, thanks everyone. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3 and the News Channel.